0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. why not? (laughs) So, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read from verse 31 into 1 Corinthians 13, and it says, But you should be eager for the greater gifts, and now I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own and I give over my body in order to boast, but I do not have love, I receive no benefit. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious. Love does not brag. It is not puffed up. It is not rude, it is not self-serving, it is not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about the injustice, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be set aside. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside." When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. For now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will fully know, just as I have been fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to look at this and dive in deeper, Father, and explore what it is that you have left for us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we go through this passage and as we go through this morning, would you presence yourself tangibly with us, Father. May this word be a seed into our hearts. that will grow and bear much fruit. And may you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you follow us on social media, you saw a WhatsApp message you'll see we're going into a new series called Let There Be Love. And so we spent a lot of time just looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we saw that with each part of the gifts where Paul spoke about them in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, and in Ephesians 4, it's always related to love. There's always this element of love that comes in. And especially in this part where Paul's like, desire the gifts, want for more, but then he says, but there's a greater way, and then he goes into this chapter about love. Um, And so we decided that this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about love. And so today, if you are taking notes, the title for my sermon would be A Love Letter to Bahrain or to Rivers. Let there be love. Come away with me. And so I don't know if you've ever been in love. If you haven't, there's lots to look forward to. Um, But when I was a child, I was 12 years old, and I met this, this beautiful little girl. I was also 12, so it was okay. Uh, beautiful, thick, luscious locks, very athletic, beautiful, and we just hit it off. And we always liked each other, and eventually we started writing love letters to each other. Who of you have written love letters to other people before? Yeah? A few hands there. Yeah. Who of you – okay, let me make it modern. Who of you have sent love text to other people before? <laughs> there we go. More hands in the building. So we were hopelessly in love, these starry-eyed 12 and 13-year-olds, and we used to write love letters to each other, and we used to fold them all fancy, sometimes in the shape of hearts and little post envelopes or whatever, and we'd like get it, give it to our friend, Naranjani, and she used to be the go-between, so I would write a letter, and she would give it to Lynette, and then Lynette would write a letter, and she'd give it back to me. We were hopelessly I'm going to say in like, because I don't think we understood the full concept of love at that point, but we used to write letters like, oh, it's so good to see you you're looking beautiful today, and she'd be like, oh, you're so handsome, you're the man of my dreams, <laughs> and this this went on for several years, I mean, uh, from, from when we were 12 right through until we finished school, um, but there was this thing where we we wanted to write letters to each other. We wanted to communicate. This was before cell phones for the Generation Z, I'm sorry, if you don't understand handwritten things. Um, but this is, this is what we did. We used to write letters to each other. I know Dan and Nicole used to write letters to each other as well. I think they still got them. Um, so there's this thing of writing letters when you're in love with someone that just, just to express what you have. Because you can say it to someone's face, but when you have time to sit and think and dwell through it, there's just something so beautiful there. And so, that's kind of where I want to go with this. It's like, there's this beautiful love letter that God has given to us, where he has expressed his love, where he's given his love, where he's lavished his love out on us. And so, that's what we want to explore through this. And this came, well, uh, Yandre and myself had the privilege of going to the Alpha Conference last week in London, and there's this moment where they had a time of ministry, and they were praying for us, and in that moment, I just the first time they, they prayed for us, it's this overwhelming heaviness on my chest, and it was the weirdest feeling. So, if you've been in love and you haven't heard from that person for a day or two, there's like anxiety, like this stress, this heaviness that comes on your chest. you are just like, What are they doing? Have they forgotten about me? What's going on? And that's the kind of feeling I had this, this unction of what's going on and I, I remember standing there in that moment and I just felt so heavy and I was like what's going on and I didn't really get an answer I, I think I stood there for about 10 minutes or whatever and I just never felt released and then the next day they had another time of ministry and in that moment I was just, we were just worshiping and the same feeling came again it's like this heaviness and I was just like God what is it that you are t- trying to say because this isn't mine And I just felt God saying, this is the weight of the love that I have for Rivers and for Bahré, where my heart yearns for them, where there's an anxiety when I don't see them, when I don't hear from them. It's just this thing of, I love them so much, I want every moment, I want to be absorbed into their lives. And, And that's where I was stirred. I was just like, God, how do we convey this? How do we as a church, as believers, as myself, get into this place where my life is completely consumed by the love of God, living in that, breathing in that, going into our day-to-day life with this love of God. And it was quite amazing because we heard stories of people from around the world about the outpouring of God's love. Every story we heard started with just this overwhelming sense of God's love, of his presence being around people. And so, and we're going to get a bit more into that a bit later, but one of the things that I was stirred is, is Exodus thirty-four, fourteen, and it says, For you must not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And I think, in lines with what um, Craig said a few weeks ago, what Lynette spoke about last week, is God is jealous for us. Just as when. You don't hear from the person that you love, and you're just like, oh, are they talking to someone else? What's going on? What are they doing that they can't talk to me? There's this jealousy that God has for us. It's not about control. It's not about manipulation, but it's about wanting to be absorbed into their lives. And so that I believe that we're in a season where we are being called to set aside these things that pull us away from God, that we are being called to lay down and to get rid of the things that we have allowed to become idols in our lives. So that we may receive and know the full love of God, that we know the fullness of His love. And so while looking at this, and you might be like, okay, we've read 1 Corinthians 13, what has this got to do? Because this is about us showing love and operating from love. But I want to step it back one bit. And for us to walk in the full, for us to operate in the fullness of love for other people, we need to understand the fullness of God's love for us. And I was reminded of Song of Solomon 2, verse 10 to 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. So Song of Solomon 2, 10 to 14. And it says, My lover spoke to me, saying, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come away with me. Look, the winter has passed, and the winter rains are over and gone. The pomegranates have appeared in the land, for a time of pruning and singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree has budded. The vines have blossomed and give off their fragrance. Arise, come away, my darling, my beautiful one. Come away with me. And then it goes on in verse 4. It says, "O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountain crags, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. I think this, for me, is its probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, but not because of what it says, but because of the challenge that comes with it. Because how often do I do what it says there? How often do I live where it says, arise, come with me? How how often do I live in that place? And so I want to break down that that's, that line. It says, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come away with me. Because part of what we need to do, to understand the fullness of God's love is to understand God's love for us and understand that He has brought us to a place where He wants to show us His love, where He wants us to experience His presence. And so the first word there is arise. Arise, which is a call to action. I was reminded during worship that we've got the communion table here, and in Psalm 23 it says, I've prepared a table for you in the midst of my enemies. And part of that is... If you don't go sit down at the table, physically move and do something, you're just going to stare at the table. But it's when you sit at the table that you are in the presence of God, that you are able to feast at the table in the midst of the enemies. And so this is call to action that God loves us, but he calls us to arise. There's this receiving of the love of the Father. So while we are living in the lavish love of God, He requires us to position ourselves in a way that we can receive it. Because it's one thing to know about the love of God, it's one thing to see the love of God, but it's a different thing to experience the love of God. And so what he's saying is, arise, position yourself in a place where you can receive his love. If we just sit in the corner and we observe and we watch, we're not going to experience and receive his love but if we step up and we say, you know, God, I'm going to put myself in a position where I can, where I can know your love, where I'm going to spend time with you, put myself in a place where it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to position myself so that I can receive your love. And how do we do this? Well, we do this by coming in, into communion with him. It's praying, it's worship, it's reading, his, reading the word. So when we pray, we are talking to the Father. Um, I'll use our marriage as an example. It's possible to sit on opposite ends of the couch and not say a word to each other and just live day to day and nothing happens. There's no communion. There's no coming together. There's no active participation. But there are times where you can sit on the opposite of the couch but have the most intimate time together where you're talking and expressing your heart. And that's what it's like when we talk to the Father, when we make ourselves vulnerable, say, God, these are the things of my heart. And we pray and we worship and we give him thanks. That's opening a channel for intimacy with the Father. We're in a way that we can then find this love that he pours out over us. So when we read the word and we allow and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to reveal his love for us, you see, you can watch the world, you can watch TV, you can read books about God's love, but until we come to the Word of God and we understand it, the Holy Spirit is going to move and He's going to reveal different aspects of this. I was just talking to Nikki with a multicolored coat on this morning, um, but there's the word that is used to describe Jacob's multicolored coat is only used twice in the Bible. Once, Joseph, sorry, once is to explain the color of the coat, and the other one is when it talks about the manifold love of God. And basically, it's this word that is so big that they cannot actually define it, because from every angle, it looks different. And so, when we read the word and we allow the Holy Spirit to wash over us, that is when we start to see the love of God, the full love of God, because what I experience as the love of God is going to be different to what someone else experiences, because God knows us. He's made us. We are intricately made, and he, is, he knows us intimately. And so when we come into the place where we allow him to reveal this to us, we're going to know and learn and grow in different ways in his love. And that's where community comes in, because I can then talk to someone else and be like, you know, this is what I've felt. This is what I'm experiencing. And that can help someone else to grow and experience God's love as well. And so don't isolate yourself. I think... One of the things that we've learned in the last week, but also through COVID, is that isolation is the enemy's way to pull us away from the presence of God. There's a difference between reading the example of Jesus who separated himself to spend time with the Father, but he never stayed in that place. He always went back. And I think it's so important for us as well. Yes, find your prayer closet, find your place and your secret place we can worship and know God, but always come back. There's this thing about doing this together as a body of believers, not as individuals. And so there's this thing of positioning ourselves to receive the love of God. The next part is my darling, my beautiful one. And I think this is the one that, if I have to look at this line, is the thing that I've probably struggled with the most in my life. But this is about knowing your identity, that you are his workmanship. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it says, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. See, now that we have received Christ, we are a new creation. We have been made new. And so, through Christ, we have been made co-heirs with him. Through Christ, we have been made righteous to the Father. We have been reconciled to him. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. And so you are his, and he is ours, and he loves you. I had a conversation with one of my clients today um, about this week, sorry, about um, this whole thing of why did God have to send his son to die, and is that a just thing that he'd expect his son to die for the sins of everyone else in the world? And we had quite a lengthy, well, when I say lengthy, it was about an hour of just it's very difficult to try and explain the whole Bible to someone in an hour, especially when they're highly intellectual and trying to question everything you say and do. But eventually I said to him, like, you've got to understand, it wasn't about, you. the big thing is you can't separate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they are one. And so that opened a whole other can of words. <laughs> but there's this thing of he, he's poured out his love, and through that he has made us righteous, that he's reconciled us to the Father, And he's given us a new identity as children of God. He has given us an identity where we are co-heirs with Christ. We are no longer separated from him, but we have been adopted into his family just as his own son. And I think that's so important for us to remember that our identity um, needs to be solidified in Christ. We cannot find identity in TikTok or Instagram or how many likes we have or what our boss thinks of us or what our friends might say about us or what strangers might say. Identity has to come in Christ. I know for me, my biggest struggle with identity was against re- rejection. I grew up as a child, not very confident, very timid, pulling away from people that wanted to show love because I was so scared of being rejected. And I found my identity in the acceptance of others. But what I found very quickly is that someone can accept you for a week and they might reject you the next week. I might be accepted by someone for two years, but they'll, if someone might reject me then afterwards. But it was only when I started to understand that my identity was in Christ and there was never going to be rejection through Him that I became into the fullness of the love of God, being able to accept his love fully. Because when you live in a place of constantly expecting rejection, you never fully open up to allow the love of God into your heart. And so this is so important that whatever it is that we struggle with when it comes to identity, for some people it might be brokenness. For some people it might be something else, trying to find their hope in what they can do for people. But there's this thing of knowing, hey, I am a child of God. First and foremost, above everything else, the world tries to put a label on, I am a child of God. That is my identity. That is steadfast. That is firm. That is unchanging. And so it's so important that we understand that he has called us his darlings, his beautiful ones, that he loves you. He thinks that you are the bee's knees, like you're the best thing since sliced bread. Like he loves you. And if you struggle to accept that, if you struggle to understand that, I encourage you, pursue God. Pursue Him. Seek His face. Position yourself to receive that love that He lavishes over us, that is unending, it's unchanging, and it's steadfast. You are a child of God. When you accepted Christ into your heart, and you became a child of God, and there is nothing that can separate you from His love. The next part is to come away with me. And this is an invitation to come into his presence. It's an invitation to come and sit at the table that he talks about in Psalm 23, the way he's prepared a feast for us. The feast isn't physical food. The feast is his presence. When I sit at the table with my family, we are there together. His presence is with us. When we sit at a coffee shop with someone else and you're having a conversation, nothing else in that restaurant matters. It's about who's with you. And so there's this invitation from the father saying, "Come away with me." And so we need to find the time to spend in his presence, to seek it out, to make sacrifices to make it a priority. I think it's so difficult in this day and age where there are things trying to pull at our time, left and right. I mean we've go to work, we've got families, we've got traffic, we've got gym, we've got food, we've got meal prep, we've got TV, we've got friends, we've got family, we've got phone calls, we live abroad, so we all have to make long-distance phone calls, and those are never just five minutes, it's always an hour or so. There are so many things, you still want to, for some of us, write music, you still want to do all these other things, you want to work on your art, you, everything is pulling and tugging at our time, but we have to make this thing of coming to the presence of God a priority. In Matthew, it says that where your heart is, there your treasure; uh, where your treasure is, there your heart is. All the other way around. Um, and I know that in the context, he's talking about money, but I think it's so true for our time as well. Where you invest your time is where your heart is. So if you're investing your time on three hours of Netflix, where's your priorities? And I always, and I've said this many times, a lot of my clients will be like, "Well, I can't exercise; I don't have time." And my first question is, well, what did you watch on TV last night? And they're like, oh, I watched this day. I was like, I see, you do have time. (laughs) And so this isn't to guilt trip you, but if you value it, you'll make space for it. You'll do whatever you can to make space for it. And we, and I know Craig talked about this, and I know Lynette mentioned it last week, is that we've got to lay down the idols in our lives that get in the way of this. What are we prioritizing over spending time with the Father, over allowing us to come into his presence? And I'm speaking to myself too. There are things that I've put in the way that I've got to lay down constantly. Like actually, I could do this, but I need to spend time with the Father. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it is a bit of a tug of war that happens. Like I really want it, but I can't. (laughs) And there's this back and forth, but we have to prioritize it. It is so important. I think one of the biggest Testimonies that we heard last week is about the story of Asbury's revival. And one of the beautiful things is there were two young guys that spoke. I think they're 22 or 23, somewhere around there. And they actually flew to to this college to go and see what God was doing. And what stood out for both of them is that they went to go and worship the one day and they were there for about four hours. And he said the most beautiful thing for them was to see that no one under the age of 25 had their phones, iPads, laptops, no technology with them, that they'd left it at the door, that they'd walked in, put it down, and the focus was just on God. And I think there's a season where God's trying to take us into a place where our focus is on Him. The beauty and the testimony of this revival that broke out was that it was about God pouring His love out on us as we turn our attention and our focus to Him not allowing the distraction of the world to come in and rob us of that time of his presence. (coughs) And then we go on, after we've made time to enter his presence, it goes on a bit later, um, where it says, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And there's this thing of... One of the guys said it so well. He's like, we often, and the revivals of the past have been about God's power, about his hand, about what he can do. And this is about seeking his face. And we said it when we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Is so often we seek the manifestations of the Spirit, but we forget about the Holy Spirit. And so we need to seek God. So often we seek his power. We seek his might. We seek his hand to do stuff, but we forget to seek him. And I think this is so important. It says, come away with me, see my face, hear my voice. And sometimes we just need to be quiet. I think one of the things that stood out is just this thing of allowing stillness to come. I think we're in a very, very loud world, visually, auditory, auditory, that one, sorry. And so there's this thing where Visually, our attention is being pulled from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Uh, the, the, the danger of a lot of the apps that our kids are, and even us as adults are using is that it's literally 15 seconds here, 15 seconds here. So you never actually have to pay attention to anything too long, but it, just, it sucks you in because it pulls you in. Because you don't realize how much time you're spending looking through Facebook or looking through TikTok or looking through Instagram. Our kids at school, it's one activity here. It's one activity there. It's constantly being pulled left and right. As adults, um, attention is pulled in every different direction. There's this thing where God is saying, hey, come aside. Come into the stillness. Switch off from the distractions around you and come into my presence so you can see my face and you can hear my voice. One of the churches we visited um, when they were rebuilding the the building because it burnt down in a fire and they'd taken it over, when they did the interior of the building, the guy who's leading the church was just like, I want a space where there are no distractions. And so the inside is literally plain. There's white walls and some lights. That's it. There's no artwork. There's nothing to just, it's just a space where you walk in and you can feel the stillness and the beauty of God in that moment where there's no distractions, there's nothing pulling you away. There's no fancy lights. There's no smoke machines. It's just the presence of God. And I think that's the beauty of what God is doing. It's just this thing of the simple. We read the story. I hope I get it right. I think it's Elijah. The, he saw the fire, but God wasn't in the fire. He heard the wind, but God was not in the wind. He heard the rain, but God was in the rain. But it was in the stillness and then in the silence of the of the cave that God came as a whisper and so often we are drowned by the noise around us that we don't hear the whispers of God we don't listen to that still small voice in our in our souls that's leading us and guiding us because we're so distracted by the loud everywhere you go there is noise especially in this region with our ACs there's always a noise <laughs> I got so frustrated last night because I was trying to sleep, and our AC decided to go into auto. So when it hit the temperature, it just went quiet. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> what is the silence? But I think there's this moment where God's just like, hey, I'm in that stillness. So come away. Get away. Because it says, find me in the in the cave. Hear my voice. See my face. Come away. Get away from the distractions. Get away from your phones. Get away from... The noise of this world and come into my presence there's a verse that says be still and know that I am God and I want to challenge you and I'm challenging myself in this how often do I take time to be still and know that he is God with this when we pray Are we praying for God's hand of rescue? Are we constantly praying for him to come through? Are we praying for breakthrough? Those are all good things, but do we ever just pray and talk to him? God, you are amazing. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Give him adoration. Come to a place of worship where we speak to him, but then also sit still and listen to him. I know I'm guilty of that sometimes. I pray and I pray and I pray, and I'm like, that was a great prayer session. I walk away. And then I think back, I was like, did I actually just sit and listen for a little bit? What is God actually trying to tell me? Um, And so I think that's a challenge for all of us is to step away from that noise, to learn to just shut up and be quiet and allow him to speak to us, to seek his face and to hear his voice. And so I believe we are in a season where we need to be actively positioning ourselves to receive the love of the Father. Knowing our true identity is in Christ, which is unshakable, which is firm, it's never changing, to encounter the love of the Father as we seek his presence, seeking his face and listening to his voice. In Ephesians three, verse 14 to 21. Um, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I'm gonna read from verse 17 and it says she from sixteen it says, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in the inner person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Knowing the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth that you may be filled up at the fullness of God. And so it's so important for us to receive the fullness of God's love so that we can walk in that love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. And in John, I'm going to finish with this. Nikki, I don't know if you want to get ready. Nikki's going to lead us in communion after this. In 1 John 4, verse 7 to 21, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, Because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been fathered by God and knows God. The person who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God is revealed in us, that God sent his one and only Son into the world, so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. No one is seeing God at any time, but if we love one another, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we reside in God and he in us, that he has given us his spirit, that we have been seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And this is in reference to John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's the love that the Father has lavished on us. This love of atoning us to him. That the Son died so that we might have life in him. That we might have salvation. That we would be reconciled to him. And I'm going to jump to verse 19. It says, we love because he loved us first. It was not that I love God and then he sent his son. No, God loved us so much that he then sent his son for us. And that we love because he loved us first. And the commandment we have from him is this, that the one who loves God should love his fellow brother too. And so I I want to leave with that, is that I want to create space this morning. So we're going to have communion. I'll ask the band to do worship now. So we're just going to create space for us to worship. I think so often in churches, and we've been guilty of this, is we tend to worship to prepare ourselves for the Word, when in actual fact should be the Word that positions us and prepares us to worship. It's out of a response of what we've heard, what we've read, what the Holy Spirit has revealed, that we turn our face to God, we say, thank you, God. Thank you that you have come, that you gave your Son, that you love us so, so much. It doesn't matter about my blemishes. it doesn't matter about my insecurities, what I think about myself, what others think about me, I love you. It's, It's a thing of the Father saying, I love you, I love you. I sent my son so that I could have a relationship with you. And out of that, we operate and we flow in love for those around us.